0: Hi, my name is Tony Thaxton. Like anyone else, I love a great song. But I also love those strange songs that might make you wonder how and why they even exist. But I'm not here to make fun of them. I'm here to celebrate them and tell their story. This is Bizarre Singles. Singles. The most icely cantina scene in Star Wars is arguably one of the most famous movie scenes of all time. John Williams wrote that piece of music based on George Lucas telling him he wanted a jitterbug-type song along the lines of Benny Goodman. In the Star Wars canon, it's called Mad About Me and performed by Figrin Dan and the Modal Nodes. Up until Luke and Obi-Wan walked into that cantina, the only aliens we'd really seen at that point were Jawas and Tusken Raiders. Now we've got Aqualish... Ithorian, Rodian, Bith, Wookiee, and on and on. Aliens everywhere. At least that's how the audience felt. It was unlike anything anyone had ever seen before. It was a standout scene of the movie that audiences loved. But George Lucas didn't. Here's Lucas talking about it in From Star Wars to Jedi, the making of the saga.
1: Well, I'd I'd always wanted to have the cantina be more than what it was. It was originally designed to be... uh, Lots of very exotic creatures, and when I shot it, I just didn't have the money, and uh, the makeup man was ill and couldn't finish the masks. and So I was always left with um, sort of a less articulated monsters and less effective scene than I thought was necessary.
0: It was such a standout scene in a massively successful movie, and the scene was parodied in 1977 on The Richard Pryor Show. They called it the Star Wars Bar, using a different set but with Pryor playing the bartender. But it used a lot of the original masks that were used in the movies. If you're well versed in the Star Wars now, it's almost a little jarring to see this in 2019.
1: Hold it. Yeah! Starbuck. It must be for you, you said the Uglis. Yeah, your wife wants you to come home. <laughs> he said, Okay. She said,
0: The entire clip's on YouTube. I recommend looking it up if you've never seen it and you're a Star Wars person like me. So after the massive success of Star Wars came the sequels. The third movie, which up until the last second was titled Revenge of the Jedi, was Lucas's chance to take the cantina up a notch. The setting this time wouldn't be another cantina. It would be the palace for a character that had been referred to, but had not yet been seen. At least in the movies, anyway. Jabba the Hutt was first mentioned in the cantina scene of Star Wars when Greedo confronts Han Solo. Han owed Jabba money, and Greedo was working for Jabba. We all know who won that confrontation. A scene was shot for Star Wars with a human standing in for Jabba, played by Scottish actor Declan Mulholland. Supposedly, Lucas was going to superimpose a creature over him, but didn't feel the special effects could cut it at the time. As we all know, that scene was later reinserted into the 1997 special edition with a now CGI Jabba replacing Declan Mulholland. That scene was even in the original Marvel Comics adaptation with Marvel just using a random cantina alien that was later given the canonical name Mosep Benid, acting as Jabba. In 1980s The Empire Strikes Back, Han is captured by the bounty hunter Boba Fett. Frozen in carbonite, he's then taken to Jabba as part of the movie's big cliffhanger ending, setting the scene for us, setting the scene for us to finally meet Jabba.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: According to From Star Wars to Jedi, over 80 creatures were featured in Jabba's Palace guards, denizens, monsters, and of course, another band. This time, a three piece band called the Max Rebo Band. Though, like the Ewoks from the same movie, that name is never actually spoken in the film. The band members were created by creature designer Phil Tippett. In this From Star Wars to Jedi clip, George Lucas discusses an idea for the band with Tippett.
1: Coming down to the one of the more amusing things will be to have this, have a vocalist. How about Snooty? See, we can have her be the singer. Sure. Yeah, that'd be great. She's got such a tiny little mouth. (laughs) She's going to sing lyrics. We're going to have to articulate her mouth. Well, it would have to be, what it means is we'd have to figure out a way of opening the mouth and and making it at least open and close. Thing is, it doesn't have to be articulate. All it has to do is be able to open and close. It's a binary system which goes like this, 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 wow, this, 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 this. and that gives us some room to yeah. come up
0: with
1: some lyrics and make a song. And also give us a great way of spotlight.
0: The song would be written by Star Wars composer John Williams, and his son Joseph wrote the lyrics. Before I totally dive into the song, we need to talk about this fascinating musical history of Joseph Williams for a minute. He had released a self-titled solo album on MCA Records in 1982, and it didn't really do much, so then in 1984, he appeared on Star Search.
1: Our returning champion is reaching for his second victory, and if he's successful, he'll join Sam Harris in the semifinals in just four weeks. From Los Angeles, welcome back, Joseph Williams.
0: After that, he worked as a session singer on various projects such as providing lead vocals in the song Save the Night from 1985's The Goonies soundtrack, and he also provided lead vocals on the theme song for Disney's Gummy Bears animated series. Yeah. Gummy bears bouncing here. From 1986 to 1988, he joined the band Toto, appearing on their albums Fahrenheit and the Seventh One. He sang lead vocals on Pamela, which ended up peaking at number 22 on the Billboard Hot 100, and it was Toto's last US hit to date. In 1994, he provided the singing voice of the adult Simba in Disney's The Lion King, singing on the songs Can You Feel the Love Tonight and Hakuna Matata. It means no worries for the rest of your days. All right, I got all of that out of my system, so let's get back to the Return of the Jedi song. The song Williams wrote would be called Lapty Neck. Well, one of its many names and many recordings. In this clip from the TV special Classic Creatures, the making of Return of the Jedi, Phil Tippett talks more about the Max Rebo band.
1: They're just a whim that George has really pursued and has seemed to really be interested in and has a lot of fun with, although they occupy one line in the script that says something like, and then the band started up.
0: The Max Rebo band consisted of Max Rebo on the Red Ball Jet organ, Droopy McCool on the chin kalu flute, I probably pronounced that wrong, and lead vocalist Cy Snoodles. Though during the production of the film, they were just referring to her simply as Miss Snooty. Here, again from the classic Creatures special, Lucas elaborates on his plan with Miss Snooty.
1: I went in to see the first mock-up of her. And she had these little teeny lips, and it just, it just occurred to me, wouldn't it be great on the end of this long snout of these giant red lips, Mick yes. lips.
0: For her performance in the film, she was a combination Rod Puppet and Marionette, performed by puppeteers Mike Quinn and Tim Rose. Her singing voice was provided by Lucasfilm sound engineer Annie Arbogast, who also translated William's English lyrics into Huttese, the language of Jabba the Hutt. Oh. so that's the version that's heard in Return of the Jedi. That version of the song never got any sort of commercial release outside of its theatrical run and on the VHS release, because unbelievably, Lucasfilm lost that recording's master reel before it could be included on the soundtrack. As a result, Lucasfilm commissioned an extended 5-minute-plus version of Lapty with session singer Michelle Gruska taking over lead vocals. This version, dubbed Lapty Club Mix, was released as a single on Polygram in 1983. Strangely, that still wasn't the last recording released. Also in 1983, Warner Brothers released a single credited to Earth, spelled U-R-T-H, this time called Laptineck Overture. yes, that's Joseph Williams on vocals now. Earth's version also featured bits from the other piece that Williams wrote lyrics for, Ewok Celebration, which was heard at the end of the movie. The lyrics in the Ewok language were written by sound designer Ben Burt. None of the versions of Laptee Neck really made much of an impression outside of the film, to the point that when George Lucas released the special editions of the original trilogy in 1997, he replaced both of the Joseph Williams songs. Ewok Celebration was now replaced with Victory Celebration, and Laptee Neck was replaced with Jedi Rocks. <laughs> I'm going to keep my thoughts on that one to myself. This show isn't ever really about my opinion, so I'm going to move on. It's almost as if Lucasfilm losing those original masters was a sign of things to come for Lapty It's all but vanished. Yes, you can find the various versions on YouTube. Even the Michelle Gruska-sung version can be found streaming on the original soundtrack, but that's about it. Even the newly launched Disney Plus still only has the special edition version with Jedi Rocks. A couple of side notes before wrapping up. If you watch either from Star Wars to Jedi or the classic Creature specials, you can hear even yet another version of Lapty Neck in the background at times, which is an English version once again sung by Joseph Williams. For some reason, the English version has been dubbed Fancy Man, even though the lyrics translate to work it out. And one final note about Joseph Williams, he ended up joining Toto once again when the band reformed in 2010. So there you go. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you, as always, for your support here, and I will see you next week. Also, you have some time. If you're a $10 and up patron on Patreon here, you can vote. Not on the very next upcoming episode, but the week after that. You have choices. So go and vote if you're $10 and higher. Thanks for the support. See you guys next week.